0: We're continuing uh, through our series, The Book of Luke. So if you have your Bible, please grab it and turn to the book of Luke with us this morning. We're going to be there in just a couple minutes. And um, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in your chair rack if you're with us live and in person. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, uh, then please take that chair rack Bible as our gift to you and uh, take that and let that be yours You'll be on about page 860 in the Chair Rack Bible if you're there this morning. So you're turning there to Luke chapter 5. So One of the things we learned this past year is how many people can actually work from home if they have to. Uh, Right? Uh, If someone had told me last March, you know, everyone's going to suddenly start working from home, you know, I thought, well, maybe a few people, but not like everyone would start doing it, right? And I was shocked, you know, in March driving around Burlington to see all these empty parking lots all of a sudden, uh, these huge parking lots that all of a sudden had no cars in them which was a great time to teach your kids how to drive, by the way, if you were looking for a place to uh, find out if you have a son that happened to have turned 16 this past week and you're looking for a place to do that. Isaac and I were, it's nice when they're empty and you're walking around. It's a little easier. Those of you that have older kids and have taught them how to drive, I need a few tips from you on how to do it with patience and grace. But that was, that was one of the upsides of this. So we, a lot of people worked from home. I mean, teachers worked from home, students worked from home, all of this. But then, you know, after like a couple of weeks when we we're all like posting pictures, hey, working from home, all this stuff, we started to realize pretty quickly that there are some people that couldn't work from home. And it started to come out and you started to look at, wait, there are some people that aren't able, no matter how much they try, to make this transition. Right? We learned that you know, all of a sudden we started thinking about people as essential workers that we never thought of maybe before as essential workers. You went to the grocery store and you realized, wait, you can't stock groceries shelves from home. You've got to go there. Too. You can't ring up the groceries from home. You need someone there doing that. Uh, all kinds of things. You order something from Amazon and it shows up on your doorstep, yet there's a warehouse full of people somewhere magically putting stuff into bins all over the place that can't do that from home. Uh, We, of course, recognized uh, very quickly that emergency personnel, first responders, you know, they don't get to work from home. Your firefighter can't fight the fire from his couch, right? I mean, they don't get to work from home. The police don't get to work from home and, of course, Medical personnel, doctors, nurses, visiting nurses, home care specialists, they can't do their work from home either. Uh, The doctors, you know, there are some, we've all probably done some telehealth during this time, but there are some things you can't do over telehealth, right? There's something the doctor just has to be there for. Uh, You can have all the PPP on, PPP, PPP, PPE, PPE on protective stuff. You can have all that on, but you still got to be there in person, right? You can't do surgery from the couch. There's some things you can't have a distance in and do well. We come to this morning's passage, and actually Jesus has this very similar message that he's sharing, and it's kind of a simple message this morning to hear and to say But as we consider it in our lives, I think it's a lot more challenging to live out. Jesus in this morning's passage is essentially going to say, you can't make a difference from a distance. He's essentially talking to some religious leaders who are challenging him on his relationships and his proximity to certain people. And he essentially says to them, look, there are some things in life that you got to close the distance if you're going to make any real difference in the situation. In our ministry or what you're called to do for Christ, you can't have a distance if you're going to make a difference for Jesus in the lives of people around you. AND I WANT TO TALK A LITTLE BIT ABOUT THAT THIS MORNING FROM LUKE CHAPTER 5, VERSES 27 TO 32, THIS IDEA THAT YOU CAN'T MAKE A DIFFERENCE FROM A DISTANCE. AND ALL OF US WHO ARE CALL OURSELVES CHRISTIANS, ALL OF US WHO ARE FOLLOWERS OF CHRIST, YOU ARE CALLED TO MAKE A DIFFERENCE IN THE LIVES OF PEOPLE AROUND YOU. THE LIVES OF PEOPLE AROUND YOU SHOULD BE DIFFERENT AND BETTER BECAUSE YOU'RE A PART OF IT AND BECAUSE YOU KNOW JESUS. YOU'RE CALLED TO MAKE A DIFFERENCE. YOU ARE CALLED TO SHOW AND SHARE THE LOVE OF JESUS with people who are in your life, who are close to you and far from God. And hopefully we have all have those relationships with people who are close to us and far from God. And in those relationships, Jesus would call you to make a difference there, but you can't do it from a distance. In the passage we're gonna read this morning, you're gonna hear about uh, Jesus and some tax collectors. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background. Those of you who have been, you know, reading the Bible for years, you understand maybe why tax collectors are in this passage painted in such a negative light. But if you're new to following Jesus, you might be like, what's the big deal with being a tax collector? Why is everyone calling out the tax collectors? Can't you work for the IRS and love Jesus at the same time? Well, in the first century, let me just explain it, give you a little background. It's important to understand. Being a tax collector was not so much like having a job with the IRS as much as it was kind of working for the mafia. Um, and, and it really was kind of close to that. It was kind of like being in the mob and the mafia, and, t- and it was legalized robbery is what it was. So if you were a tax collector, here's how it worked. You were a local person... Uh, you know, just someone in the neighborhood and you got a job with basically the Roman government who was the occupying government in Israel at this time. And here was the deal. You collected what Rome told you to collect and then anything else you wanted to take, you took and you kept it. And if anyone gave you any trouble with it, Rome would come down on them. So it really was kind of like working for them off. I mean, you could take whatever you want and you had this huge force backing you To do it and say you could do it. And so people didn't like tax collectors. They were stealing from them. They were overcharging them. They were taking all kinds. So they weren't people that they wanted to associate with. So you're going to see tax collectors in this passage. The other group you'll see in this passage are Pharisees and scribes. And those were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were very holy people. They were very religious people. And uh, they had uh, what they thought was a very... Prescribed way that they were supposed to live and that good people were supposed to live. And the main thing is, good people weren't supposed to hang around tax collectors. So here's what happens. Verse 27 After this, he went out, that's Jesus. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As Jesus is, kind of gives a mission statement, he, he's, we're looking at the mission of Jesus and all that Jesus said he came to do. And he gives a mission statement. He says, look, those who are well don't need a doctor. It's those who are sick that need a doctor. He says, I've not come to call those who are righteous, those who think they don't need God. I've come to call those who know they're sinners. And so this passage is really answering this question of, Jesus, why would you hang out with tax collectors and sinners? Why would you do this? Why would you close that distance between people of ill repute that good people, good godly people don't hang around? Why are you doing this? And Jesus says, because... THIS IS THE WAY THE MISSION GETS DONE, AND YOU CAN'T DO IT FROM A DISTANCE. AND SO I WANT US TO CONSIDER FOR A FEW MINUTES OUR LIVES, AND WHERE ARE WE IN THIS PASSAGE? THOSE OF US ESPECIALLY THAT FOLLOW JESUS AND CALL OURSELVES CHRISTIANS. ARE YOU MATTHEW, LEVI, LEVI IN THIS PASSAGE, BUT HE'S ALSO CALLED MATTHEW. WE KNOW HIM AS THAT AS WELL, HE HAS BOTH THOSE NAMES. ARE YOU LEVI IN THIS PASSAGE? YOU'VE COME TO FOLLOW CHRIST, AND YOU'VE INVITED OTHERS, to YOUR FRIENDS, TO KIND OF BE AROUND AND COME TO KNOW CHRIST, IF YOU'VE BEEN FOLLOWING CHRIST A WHILE, MAYBE YOU AND I ARE LIKE THE RELIGIOUS LEADERS, WHERE uh, WE ARE WONDERING WHY GOOD PEOPLE WOULD HANG AROUND PEOPLE LIKE THAT. SEE, WE'RE CALLED TO MAKE A DIFFERENCE, BUT IF YOU'RE NOT CAREFUL Those of us call ourselves Christians, we can make two mistakes. And the first one is this if you keep your distance, you won't make a difference. If you and I create and keep our distance between people who are far from God and don't know God, we'll never make a difference in their life. See, you can only share Jesus with someone who doesn't have him and someone who you're close to. The one person, one pastor said, you can only share Jesus with your friends. You've got to be friends with people. You've got to be close to people who don't know Jesus if you're going to share Jesus with them. But the religious leaders, they didn't buy it. They had created this gap and this distance between them and people who they considered not worth being around or that would contaminate them. What they had done is they had taken a principle of the temple being clean and unclean and ritual cleanness and uncleanness, and they had applied it to their moral lives. So where the temple at times would say, well, if you're unclean, you know, you can't come in and be around God, so you have to at times go through a ritual cleansing. And so uh, they took this into the moral side, and they said, well, we just won't be around any people who are sinful, and then we'll stay clean, and we won't be sinful, and we won't be contaminated by them. And I wonder if today Christians follow some of that same logic sometimes, apply it to their lives. I know I'm supposed to live a holy life for God. We just sang about it, right? God, you're holy. I'm supposed to live a holy life. I'm supposed to stay away from these things, certain things, in order to live a holy life. And then we take it one step further. But I'm also going to stay away from people who would do these things and I'm going to create distance between them just so I don't somehow get contaminated or be impure or become, I don't know, a, a sinner by association with their life. Paul at one point says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 10, when people were making the mistake of thinking this way, he says this, <clears throat> I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. Paul was saying, look, I told you not to associate with these people, but what I really meant was people in the church that are calling themselves Christians and doing this. You know what? You've got to separate yourself from them because they need to realize the gravity of the life that they're living. But... Paul says, look, I wasn't talking about from everybody. I wasn't talking about from those outside the church. How are you possibly going to do that? And if you do that, you can't accomplish the mission God has called you to accomplish. You have to close the distance between you and those who don't know God. But I wonder if sometimes our passion for purity has kept us from acting in a godly way. Because that's what was going on in this passage. These Pharisees and these religious leaders were so passionate for God, they thought, that they started to act in an ungodly way. And we know it was ungodly because God, the Son, was standing there in their midst and saying, no, this isn't how you're supposed to act. In fact, perhaps no group in history could ever be said, could it ever be said more correctly of them that they're acting in an ungodly way. Because God the Son is right there saying, no, you need to be with these people. You need to close the distance. And they're saying, no, we are so passionate for God that we won't be around these people. Is it possible that your passion for purity has caused you to act in an ungodly way to create a distance between you and people who don't know God? You and I are called to close the distance between us and people who don't know God. The truth is, just like Matthew, just like Levi, when you came to know Jesus, when you came to put your faith and your trust in him, when you came to follow him as Lord and Savior, everyone you know in your life should have come one step closer to knowing God. It's like that, you know, the whole thing, how many degrees of separation, right? All of a sudden, everybody who knows you got one degree closer to knowing God because they know you and you came to know God. God brought you in, but not just you. He brought you in to be able to share Jesus with all those you know who don't know him. But sometimes we do the opposite. Sometimes now we're the holy man, the holy woman. And we create distance and separation between us and those that don't know him. We don't have relationships. We don't have friendships. Maybe casual acquaintances. Maybe not even that with people who don't know God. Jesus says, I have to do this. I have to be around these people because you can't make a difference from a distance. So what do you do? How do you close the distance? I think two ways from this passage we see that you can close the distance. One is just simply accept invitations that are given to you. Jesus didn't force his way into Levi's house. He was invited in. Just simply, as a Christian, accept invitations that are offered to you because I bet you have them. I bet there's people in your life who don't know Jesus who are saying, hey, you want to go out to eat after work? Hey, you want to you go? I mean, I know not now, but then, soon, we'll all do this together again. I bet you have people in your life. And I bet there's sometimes something within you that says, ah, oh, that might be uncomfortable. Because we all want to be around people who are like us and who like us. But I bet you get invitations sometimes from people who aren't like you. Say, hey, you got time to get together, you got time to grab a cup of coffee. Just accept, just say yes to the invitation. You don't have to force yourself into a place where it's not your like place. Like if you're a baby boomer who's got you know grown children and you're you know just entering retirement, you don't have to force yourself into the hip-hop scene. Like that's probably not your venue. You don't have to start learning what EDM is and and all of that. That's not your scene. Don't do that. But the hip hop person that's into the hip hop scene probably isn't getting invited out to Capitol Grill to go out and grab a meal after work. That's your, those are your friends. Those are your colleagues. That's your place. Say yes to the invitation. Just say yes to the people who are inviting you places. That's one way, that's what Jesus did. The second way is maybe have a Matthew party. Have a Levi party. Invite people to your place. Invite people who are close to you and far from God and people who are close to you and close to God. Let your worlds collide. Let them all come to the same space and just see what God does. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to create some relationships there. INVITE YOUR NEIGHBORS OVER. NOW THE THINGS ARE STARTING TO OPEN UP MORE. HAVE THEM COME OVER AND IN YOUR YARD AND, YOU KNOW, AND, and, and SIT AROUND, YOU KNOW, some, ENJOYING THE BEAUTIFUL WEATHER AND GET TO KNOW EACH OTHER BECAUSE WE ALL LIVE ON THE SAME STREET. HAVE A MATTHEW PARTY. CREATE SPACES LIKE THAT. FIND WAYS TO CLOSE THE DISTANCE. BE INTENTIONAL ABOUT IT. YOU CAN'T SHARE JESUS WITH PEOPLE WHO ALREADY HAVE HIM. WE SPEND A LOT OF TIME SOMETIMES AS CHRISTIANS AROUND PEOPLE THAT ALREADY KNOW JESUS. You can't share Jesus with somebody who already has him. You don't need to give a chicken sandwich to someone who owns a Chick-fil-A. All right? I mean, they, they got it. They're good. Find someone who needs a chicken sandwich. You've got to close the distance. Second point is this. Second mistake we make is this. If you close the distance and lose your difference, you won't make a difference. You know what I mean by that? You can close the distance, but you've lost your distinction as a follower of Christ. You've just become like everyone else around you. You you, You've lost what makes you different as a follower of Jesus, then you won't make a difference in your friend's life there either. If you close the distance and lose your difference, you won't make a difference. In this passage, Jesus says, those who are well need no, no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think it's interesting in this passage to look at what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And most of us are probably comfortable with one or the other. Some of you look at what Jesus said, I've not, I, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And some of you are real comfortable with what Jesus said. You look at that and you go, yeah, Jesus, you've come to call sinners to repentance. And you tell those sinners that they need to repent. And you tell them that they're sinners and they have sin in their life and they need to repent and turn to you. And you are real comfortable lobbing truth bombs from a distance. You are real comfortable telling people what's wrong with them. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's what we need to do. If that's you, you need to consider not only what Jesus said, but what Jesus did. Jesus went to a dinner party, and from all accounts, it was a pretty enjoyable occasion that these people wanted to be around Jesus, that they came and they wanted to be in his presence. And there, from all accounts, seemed to be a relationship that these people wanted with Jesus, and it wasn't just constant preaching to them about what's wrong with them. But some of you look at what Jesus did and you say, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what we need to do. Just invite everyone in. Just have everyone over. Just have dinner with people. You religious people don't get it. You got to build relationships. You got to have people over and, and, and you feel real comfortable with what Jesus did. But you might forget and overlook what Jesus said that I've come to call sinners to repentance. Most of us are comfortable with either with what Jesus said or what Jesus did, and few of us, I think, are comfortable with both. So which one do you need to be stretched in? Do you need to be stretched in the area of doing what Jesus did, closing the distance, being around people who don't know God so that they can see God in you? So that they can they can see who God is in in your life. Do you need to do you need to be challenged in that because you've cut off all your relationships. You've created distance. If in fact if you look back on the past week, the past month, the past you know, and and I asked you you know who are the people that you've had meaningful times of connecting with that don't know Jesus in the last week or the last month. Can you give me any names? MAYBE WE NEED TO BE CHALLENGED AND SAYING, HEY, I NEED TO BUILD THOSE RELATIONSHIPS. BUT MAYBE IT'S THE OTHER SIDE. MAYBE, YEAH, YEAH, YOU'VE GOT ALL THESE RELATIONSHIPS, BUT THEY DON'T EVEN KNOW THAT YOU'RE IN CHURCH TODAY. THEY DON'T EVEN KNOW THAT YOU WOULD CONSIDER YOURSELF A CHRISTIAN. THEY DON'T EVEN KNOW THAT JESUS IS IMPORTANT TO YOU. THEY DON'T EVEN KNOW THAT, 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 that JESUS IS SOMETHING, A PART OF YOUR LIFE. AND YOU NEED TO CHALLENGE, on LOOK, I'm in relationship with these people. One reason is so that they can know how much God loves them. Maybe you need to be challenged on what Jesus said. Because you don't want to be the doctor that's too far from the patient to make a difference. But you also don't want to be the doctor that shows up, you're close to the patient and doesn't do anything to help you got to be close enough to make a difference. And so Jesus and you and I are called to live a life of proximity on purpose. This is what you're called to. This is what I'm called to. You're called to live a life of proximity on purpose. Be close to people. Build relationships with people and be purposeful in showing and sharing God's love with them because God loves them. God wants to be in relationship with them and that's what these religious leaders missed. They thought it was just for them and they missed the fact that they themselves were sinners that God drew close to. And it wasn't just for them. It was for the people and their wives that God had put there. So live a life of proximity on purpose. Accept invitations you're given. Invite other people to be a part of the things that you're doing and the life that you're doing as well. The best way to get a job these days is still through networking. I mean, those of you that have been looking for work, those of you, you know, you know how it is. Putting in an application cold is hard. Nobody knows you. You know the advantage you get if you have someone on the inside who knows you. Networking is still the best way to find a job. Networking is still the best way the gospel spreads. It spreads through people who know God, who know people who don't know God, showing and sharing God's love with them. And that's all Jesus is saying in this passage. You can't make a difference from a distance. In fact, that's why Jesus was there in the first place. That's what the incarnation is all about. That's what Bethlehem, Christmas, God coming from heaven to earth is all about. Because God, in His providence, set it up and knew that He wasn't going to make a dif- difference from a distance, that God would have to come close to show himself to us, to live among us, to give his life for us. And what God did, he's calling you to do as well. Get close to people who don't know God and show and share God's love with them. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for coming close to us. Lord, thank you for the love that you have for us who are sinners. Father, it's easy to come to a passage like this as someone who calls himself a Christian and stand in judgment over these religious leaders and yet that's not helpful because if we look at our own lives, there's no doubt places where we have done the exact same thing. There's people that we think are too far away, too far gone, too evil, too sinful, whatever it is. And yet, Lord, you came that everyone, whosoever would put their faith and their trust in you, that will receive forgiveness and grace in in their lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand where we need to grow today. Lord, guide us and lead us. Make us more like Christ. Forgive us for the times where our passion for godliness and purity has perhaps caused us to actually act in an ungodly way towards other people around us who don't know you. Lord, teach us to, Lord, live out not only what you said, but what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. And I ask you to stand as we sing this song of worship. But as we do it, here's what I want you to consider. Which one, if you're a Christian, and I'm talking to Christians today, which one's you, where do you need to grow? Do you need to grow in the place of saying, look, I need to close the distance between me and some people who don't know Christ. And if that's true, then how are you gonna do it this week? What could you do? What could you do to continue to grow relationships in your life with people who don't know Jesus? That's what Jesus did. He went to dinner, he accepted invitations. Or if you're here and you say, you know what, pastor, I've got those relationships, but I really don't, I really don't share Jesus with them much. And I need you to help, I need God to help me to be able to do that. Whichever one that is, as we sing this song of worship, ask the Lord to lead you and to help you.